Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Bobsy Uncut Community Views, the podcast where we try to give it to you. No, we don't try. We give it to you from a straight up point of view. You're not going to see this on channel 10, 3, or 13. We're going to give it to you the real way, and we're going to keep it real. Today, we have a very, very special guest, uh, Danica Royster. She's here today. She's running for Super Ward 7 uh, City Council seat in uh, the Mermaid City. I like to call it the Mermaid City, but the city of Norfolk. And, well, let's get it started. Uh, you are running for Super the Super Ward 7 seat, of which you currently hold uh, on the city of Norfolk, city, uh, excuse me, city council in Norfolk. A seat which you now, as, as I mentioned, uh, you serve as the incumbent. Uh, just for our listeners and our viewers, right? Just for our listeners and our viewers that may not be in the know, explain to them how you became the incumbent and why has there been some issues raised about your candidacy? Well, first and foremost, thank you, Bob, for having me on your show. Indeed. I grew up watching you. <laughs> wow. If you can make it to Bob Z Uncut, you can make it anywhere. That's what they say. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So um, to answer That's your question... Smoke. Um, so I've been in the Super Ward 7 City Council position since January 13th. That's when I was, that's when I was sworn in. Um, prior to that, uh, you know that there was a vacancy left by, uh, well now, Delegate Angela Williams Graves, mm -hmm. and they had an open application process for people to apply. So I applied, um, I was called and selected for an interview amongst three other persons, and within my interview, they asked us all a series of questions, and there was a unanimous vote by all the city council members. So that's how I got the position. But I think what's more important is people asking me, well, why did you apply in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, a year ago, ironically, I actually had a YouTube, uh, not a podcast as elaborate as yours, but I did a Power of Your Vote series where we had a bunch of different electeds and persons who participate in um, our electorate or public policy, and we talked about trying to drive people out to make sure they came out to vote. And one of the um, panelists who spoke, he did speak on the fact that, hey, a lot of the change that you want to see oftentimes, you're the change. That's why it hasn't happened yet. So not only did he challenge us to get involved, but he said, you need to run. Mm -hmm. And so when it opened up, I prayed on it, of course, being a woman of faith. And then I was just like, hey, you know, why could I not be, you know, the city council person? I believe I'm capable. I believe mm -hmm. that I have what it takes. And at the end of the day, I've always been grounded in service. And I care about this community. I care about my community. So that's what drove me to run. And that's why I'm running to continue to keep my seat because I'm committed and I'm compassionate about my community. Okay. Well, um, I just want to delve just a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, you, during that process, you let the city council, this is my understanding, you correct me if I'm wrong, you let them know that, you know, you were interested in seeking the office through um, election. True, right? When the question was asked of me, did I have any plans on running, I told them I hadn't considered it at this time. Mm. And that's the truth. I hadn't. I mean, okay. who goes in for an entry-level job position and someone be like, you want to be the manager tomorrow? You're like, well, hold on. I don't even know what this job is going to, you know, 
consist of or what it's going to, you know, require me to do. Okay. So that's what my response was at the time. And it was the truth because I can tell you now, a lot of what I thought this job was, it doesn't even scratch the surface. Mm. So I think my response at that time was accurate because it was the truth. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's fast forward just a little bit. Since you have been on the council, mm-hmm. what have been your priorities while serving on the city council? And will you introduce uh, some new initiatives or uh, that would benefit the um, citizens of Super War 7? And I'm going to go a little bit further, but I just want to get you. Mm-hmm. We're just scratching the surface right now. Yeah, yeah. So my priorities, one of the things that I've had the opportunity to do in the nine months I've been on council is either meet with civic leaders, community leaders, but more things I've done is done community tours. And like I told people, I don't have my own personal set of priorities. My priorities as a person who's a representative of the people should be a reflection of what their priorities are. Mm. And we just did a town hall a couple like two months ago. And the number one ranking thing that people said that was most important to them was public safety. So addressing the gun violence in this city. Something that came up obviously second was our education system here in the city of Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Affordable housing. Economic development and making sure that there's equity. And, of course, public health, since we all have to recognize that we're still very much in a pandemic. Right, right, right. Okay. um, But you did ask a second question in regards to what's going to be new. So I'm really excited about the community engagement piece with all of those aspects, Mm -hmm. because I believe when you are definitely looking at looking at plans and what you're going to bring to the table, you need to make sure that the community is a part of those thoughts and ideas. For example, one of the things that I had the opportunity to work on with um, some community persons, liaisons, members, different people from the community is in regards to public safety in the city and gun violence. We actually have a plan that we created. Um, We were able to now, there's an RFP that was out. It just closed and it's sitting on the city manager's desk. And what it is right now is it's a plan that would present to the city an opportunity for those returning home to say, hey, I have a second chance and I want to impact my community in a unique way. I don't want to come to the school and speak for one day and say, don't do drugs, put the guns down. I really want to be in a position. And that's how we actually sow into our citizens when they return home, providing them employment through their experience. A lot of people have a lived experience which we could really learn from and they can use those opportunities to help our community as well as give them rightful employment, gainful employment, so they can have something to have pride in. That's something that hasn't been done yet, and I have my constituents and the civic leaders and the um, grassroots organizations to thank for it. So that's something new. Right. I mean, okay, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Here's my issue. Here's my thing mm-hmm. that that I've been um, really uh, aloof about and really, like, just I can't see it because, okay, if, if you're running for, not just you, and I'm not just talking about city council. I'm talking mm-hmm. about from city council, delegates, state senators, uh um, representative in Congress, if you're running for office, anyone, and, 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 and like I said, um, you know, just, just kind of my food for thought, um, if you're running for office, they, you have to have, I mean, okay, if I was running for office, probably people know that, you know, my pet thing will be young people. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do with our, young, our youth. Um, we knew that Obama was, well, Obamacare, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we knew that Trump, as Twisted as it seems, he was about building a wall. Mm-hmm. But we know what your pet issue is. So I'm not saying, you know, and, and, and maybe you, you're still developing that concept, but... 
Oh, I have one of my all, own. All of all, <laughs> anyone, I mean, and, 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 and like I said, again, I'm just saying that if, if anyone is seeking office and we don't, as a community, we don't hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you like any city council member right now, I can't tell you any of our delegates that serve our, what's your pet, what, what's your main thing? I can't tell you that because it's not known. Well, can I go ahead and say mine? You can do it. Economic development. Okay. That's my thing. That's what and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Super Ward 7 right now, we have three major projects on the horizon. All right. You have the St. Paul's project, you have the casino, and you have military circle mall development. All right. Those are three major things. Everyone's talking about it, right? So it's like spotlight is on Super Ward 7. For me, I want a piece. And I don't mean crumbs. All we right. need ownership stake in what's happening in all of these things. And so my things tied to economic development is equity, opportunity, accessibility. What I mean by that, for example, the military circle mall development, equity opportunity. When we're talking about whichever person we pick or whichever group we pick or we go with, we need to make sure there's an ownership concept for us. Whether that be, hey, you're going to have single family homes versus something to rent. Or, hey, I can actually have my business here. Because one of my passions is closing the racial wealth gap and creating generational wealth. And the only way you do that is ownership. When I talk about St. Paul's and the work we've been doing with the St. Paul um, Advisory Committee, Mm -hmm. another thing that came up is opportunity. Beyond just, oh, we'll let you put your store in here. No. Who's getting the contracts to do the plumbing? Oh. Who's going to get contracts to do elect, you know, electric, electrical work? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be a property manager? Who's going to do these things that are going to last for generations? Not just, okay, you got a chance to work on the project, thank you for coming, and then someone else will profit. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. And so when I talk about economic development, that's what I'm looking at because these are things that people are going to see returns and returns and returns on for generations and generations and generations. And what I want to make sure is the citizens of Super Ward 7 don't miss out. And also there's investment in them so that they can meet the opportunities. All these jobs that they talk about with clean energy and things coming to the area, we need to make sure our Norfolk Public School students are ready and equipped to compete for these jobs. That means aligning ourselves with the trade unions, aligning ourselves with um, VOTEC, making sure that that we have the skills coding. All those things need to be in place so that we are getting a piece versus, oh, you, if you had the certificate or, oh, if you had this, you could get that. I had an opportunity to go to the um, local 110, and they were telling me five-year program, welding, right. uh, doing all that stuff for free, for free. And they just sent some kids away, not kids, they're adults, <laughs> away who are getting six-figure jobs. Right. And right. all they have is the high school degree and these things. And that is how we create wealth for our community because people live here. They work here. We need to make sure that they're being skilled here so that way they can stay here and it can just continues to close the gap and creates a circle. Oh, I mean, look, that, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, I like what you're saying. You get, you get my passion. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, well, that's, that's, what, that's, what, I'm, that's what I was asking you. You definitely, like... Um, if we see her, you see you, it's like economic development. That'll be your, you know saying, your pet. I mean, not that you will like neglect other things, but I want to stay with um, what you're saying. Uh-huh. And I want to kind of elaborate a little bit off the beaten path. But the, here's the thing that, that um, I see. I see where 
we have uh, 35th Street for the last 35, 40 years. Mm -hmm. They've been talking about refacing and redoing 35th Street, mm -hmm. you know, to make that a viable uh, economic. I see so many. I see some libraries built here. I've even seen some of the housing projects um, redone a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But the economic development piece, um, and even like just take the Lafayette Corridor, which is also on Ward 7, from Tidewater Drive to Ballantyne. Mm -hmm. That's a viable um, area for economic development. And lastly, but not, you know, and I'll just get you to like kind of address or touch on that in a moment, but mm -hmm. I looked at the proposals for the um, military circle mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, where's, and where's the um, long-term planning as far as, okay, number one, they stopped at 15,000. Seats. Uh, I think it was um, 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 Pharrell's proposal. It was okay. fifteen thousand seat arena. Um, the NBA probably requirements minimum was like eighteen thousand seats. So I mean, what in the world? I mean, that would be uh, something. And then they're talking about bringing the tide there, and also um, I've called it, the tide has been called a train and nowhere. And it's a lot of questions in a row. But mm -hmm. hope, stay with me. I'm with you. Um, the tide is like, okay, we're going to stop at Military Circle. But you got an airport like a mile from Military Circle. If you have an airport and you can jump off a plane and get on a train, and then if you and you have a, a 30,000 um, from a last stop of the tide, you have a 30,000-person school, student school at ODU. Why not? You know, and it just it seems like some of the proposals that come out on land. But the, the real question is, I know I go, I get off on tangent. The real question is, um, um, how are you going to bring? Because we've been acclimating when it comes to like redevelopment in Ward and uh, Ward's Corner and redevelopment in Ocean View. We they get our votes. They get uh, three. They get four. They get seven. You know, they get our votes, but. How are we going to convince them when it comes time to, like, invest? I'm talking about the city council members. Investing mm -hmm. in uh, Ward, uh, uh, Super Ward 7, how, what are we going to do? How are we going to convince them to do it? So one thing with all that stuff uh, that you just, I know, that right. you just It was like out. a whole newspaper. Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole, like, list. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. it's good. It's good. It's good, though. One of the things, um, you have to remind them of what they say. Mm -hmm. Remember, we're one Norfolk. Oh, no. So... You have to, and but the way that I look at it is value add. That's my business mind getting into mm -hmm. it. Anytime you bring something to somebody, the first thing that they think about, because unfortunately some people are selfish, is what's in it for me. So there's a lot to be gained. I just mentioned these three projects. There's a lot to be gained mm -hmm. for people to invest in Super War 7. Right. So it has to I happen agree. and it has to work. I agree. So that is what we create. It's called leverage as it relates to negotiation, compromising, collaborating, all that good stuff. You want this to happen, this stretch for the tide and all this other stuff? Let me tell you what I need you to do. I need you to fix everything else that would feed into this. For example, our roads. I need you to, because, hey, you don't want people coming in town for, like, you. I'm not saying this, but you put out there the stadium. That's, I'm assuming, arena is what you would like to see. Um, the last thing someone wants to have is a bad impression of, oh, my gosh, the roads here are terrible. The housing is no, mm-mm. They have to fix everything around it. But also, what I wanted to touch on is you had mentioned 35th Street. Mm -hmm. So that's on the um, that's been something that's been on the docket mm -hmm. regarding um, Farid Plaza, um, the Newport development, where they're going to be redeveloping that entire area. One of the things to be looking at is going to be housing, workforce housing, as well as um, 
luck, not luxury, but market rate things. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, retail. And so what we have to do when we're looking into all these projects, number one, the city does have something that they need to do. You have to invest in this. But you also require to have a strong council person who's not going to boggle down and say no. Because at the end of the day, we need this. We deserve this. There's no way that you can continue to come to our communities and we're not getting vested or we're not getting paid out of this. There's a lot of stuff, like I said, that's on the horizon. What would be a shame is to have someone who doesn't recognize the value in Super Ward 7, not just in the infrastructure, but the individuals are here, and mm -hmm. not advocating for them to be compensated. Whether that be, hey, you need to do as it relates to our roads. You need to improve our schools so we're educating our kids so that they can get in this, get in this game. You need to be teaching them entrepreneurship skills from, you know, train up a child uh, in the right. rec centers. It's great to have a good time, but I had a good time talking to some teenagers who told me, yeah, it's cool to play basketball, but it'd be really cool if someone could talk to me about, I get this pay stub, and I don't understand what these taxes are. I don't understand the credit score, or I got extra money. What if I want to invest? So that's the financial literacy piece. We have to be doing things differently. And one of the biggest game changers is economics. So that's why I tell people education is great, but this is not, no longer the time of my parents and further generations where it's just go to school. No, it takes education and economics to be successful in this country and to be successful in this city. So what I'm going to be doing is making sure that everybody eats. Right. Well, I mean, hooray. I mean, I, I, I go with that 100%. Is, is the thing is, is that like for so long, and I agree with you because I'm, and, and, and my producer and my co-producers, we all from the union. At, uh, mm -hmm. we, we all union workers from Ford Plant. Okay. And we understand that, um, you know, they're down 200,000 welders in this country. Mm -hmm. They don't have 200 welders that they need, uh, electricians and um, um, plumbers. Mm -hmm. And today, I mean, I was w working in schools and, they was like, everybody take the PSAT. And some students were actually walking out because they said, man, I'm not going, I'm not going to college. But mm -hmm. I could probably, well, my brother was a pipe fitter. Yep. You know, um, but these are things that, that, that I agree that need to be addressed within the public education system. Um, moving along, um, and you answered this, but I'm kind of going to just piggyback just a little bit because I'm going to skip over to my next question. Okay. Um, well, you touched something that was passionate to me, and I'll, um, I'll ask you this next question when we come back from our break. We got to take a break. We got to pay the sponsors, man. We are here with Danica Royster, and we're, uh, she's running for Super Ward 7. She's also serving in that position, and we'll be right back in two minutes and two seconds. Thank you. I'm Hala Ayala. My story is a Virginia story. Night shifts, minimum wage, pregnant with no health care. But with a little help and a lot of hard work, I built a career and a middle-class life. So when I got to Richmond, I made it my mission to ensure hardworking Virginians have that same opportunity. As Lieutenant Governor, I'll build on that record to attract more good-paying jobs so every family thrives. Love First Marriage Movement where we work with couples virtually all over the world to transition from a place of pain to genuine peace and resilience from the inside out. We help them by sharing our own marital rags to marital bliss journey. Check us out at lovefirstmarriagemovement.com.
And before the break, we were talking about a couple of things that were very, very important. Um, one of the things, uh, uh, personally, I should take these um, long walks in the morning, and I'm getting back to it. Right, y'all not gonna see me in about uh, two months. Y'all gonna like, who was that? Nobody. But, um, who this? Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. And so, um, when I took these walks, I, uh, a lot of stuff was, was before you were um, on the council. And I was saying, we need a lion on the council because I could not believe some of the stuff that was going down, some of the votes that were being taken. I was like, there is not a voice for Ward 7, 3 or 4, or Ward 3 or 4. But anyway, so um, I don't personally believe that this war has received the ferocious. And see, I said lion. See, I did that. I see what you did there. The lion on the council that we need ferocious representation that is needed. And, uh, and I, along with many others, have stated that we need a lion for this. Are you that lion? I know that I'm that lion. Okay. Number one, I'm a Leo. <laughs> oh, hey. So, great question. Um, and number two, I think I represent a new generation of leadership and energy and mm-hmm. vision. Like, I come into council and I'm just kind of like, let's wake up. Let's, let's get this done. Let's get right. this work. But also, I think that it's important to have someone who is passionate about what they're doing. And as long as you're staying grounded in your why and why you're doing this work, that should serve as your fuel to be, you know, the lion. I believe myself to be a powerful, worthy, capable leader who is unapologetic about her community and unapologetic about what she believes her community deserves. So it does not hurt me at all to advocate for them. Hence, um, I think you would say one of my lion moves, for example, earlier this year, (laughs) the lion move, move, right? (laughs) Earlier this year was in regards to the transit. Right. So I was in city council. They brought it up and I said, I'm not voting for this. Nay. Why? Because it's not equitable. You're cutting all these bus routes that are going to impact my community. Other places, they have might have access to one, two, three cars. And right. you're putting bus systems over there versus my community where people, this is their only mode of transportation. This is their only way to get to and from work. This is their only way to have to travel halfway across town to get to a grocery store. So, no, I'm not going to approve a plan or go with a plan because it's going to be great for the bigger city as a whole. No, we're not compromising my people, and that's not how I move. So it's important to have someone who can be bold, speak truth to power, but also have an action plan behind that because a lot of people do a lot of speaking, but where's the action and what are you actually going to Mm. do? And I think that one of the things I've demonstrated since I've been on council is that I'm about action. It's nice we have to acknowledge all those things. Yes, that happened in the past, but what are we going to do moving forward? Because the citizens in Super Ward 7, they're tired of living in the past, and they're ready to move up to the future so that we can prosper in the um, future as well. Okay, all right. Let me hear you roar. I'm just... Like a Tony the Tiger. No, okay, I'm not. all right. She, <laughs> I don't have a she not gonna roar. <laughs> Look, that would have been breaking news. What? Uh, we'll roar. We'll roar. On. <laughs> we'll roar at my victory party. Oh my god! Okay. I'm gonna hold you to that if you win. I'm like, I want to hear the roar. We need a lion. But, um, okay. All right. If you are elected to serve in this position, now um, one of the things I'm, I'm telling you, and I know we just got a grocery store in Berkeley. Yay! You know, it's like it's like. Uh, I mean, I was happy about that. There's mm-hmm. no bone. I was unhappy about the prospect that it took that long to get a grocery store in Berkeley. Mm. It's, it's senseless. It's almost a slap in the face. It's like, you know, not just Berkeley, but campus. The whole South Side was like, mm-hmm. you know, just um, a food desert. Mm-hmm. And not only that is a food desert, but if you look at the South Side again, 
it's a, a pharmaceutical desert. Mm. There's, you know, you, that's, I don't steal my phrase. Oh, you, you can borrow it, but just give me credit the I first time. Just the first time. But you can use after that. But it's a, a pharmaceutical desert. What are your plans to deal with these inequities, like um, food and um, pharmaceutical inequities? I'm happy that you brought that up. One of the things that I took, I, you know, observing, you know, especially now that we're in a position where everyone needs to go get tested and stuff for that. Right. Where are the urgent cares? <laughs> That's what, I've had so many um, constituents reach out to me and say, well, the, one of them is all the way in East Beach mm. or there's one, all the way in Ward's Corner. Mm. It takes so long for me to get to a doctor and I don't want to have to go to a hospital. So you're wow. correct. So one of the things we have to do is I think just how they have um, the uh, community hub that they just built across the street from um, Booker T. Washington High School, right. where it's focused on food. We need to also look at that food as well as health right. hubs. Um, see if we can partner with local physicians, EVMS, and they can set up these medical centers within these communities for people to have access. Making sure that, you know, because that's a, once again, thinking holistically, opportunity for persons who are in medical school here, who should be passionate about addressing the health inequities in our city and in our community, is an opportunity to bring resources to the community where they're mostly impacted. So that's one idea there. And also, once again, adding the food aspect there. Because yes, we have a grocery store in Berkeley, but there's still so many other places that, right. that need this. So focusing, because one of the biggest things that was um, brought up is grocery stores and we've been trying to provide incentives and I tell people all the time well sometimes you just can't sit around and wait for Superman right. we just have to do for ourselves and doing for ourselves means once again investment creating these things partnering with organizations who they do this work incentivizing people where we can because at the end of the day your health is your wealth and there should be um, a glass ceiling or a ceiling on what we're willing to do to make sure our citizens here are healthy and they have access to food so that's a basic human right right there right. is having access to food. Well, well, along with what you're saying, and this is the thing that is just my, like, um, I got to do a disclaimer. Uh, what I'm saying cannot be held against, no, I'm just playing. But no, it's not necessarily opinions of the city council or anybody in the uh -huh. city of Norfolk. But here's the thing that I was talking about with the, um, what the food does it, and the thing I, I guess they gave the, um, the the company organization like a million dollars almost to um to do a grocery store. Yeah, I mean, Mike Palmer. Yeah, give me a million dollars, I'll do it. But I'm just saying, and I'm not mad at him. I mean, get your million dollars from the city. I'm not mad at that. But what I am um, distressed about is that if we look at how much money and how many partnerships do we have with Centera, you know. Let's leverage that. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we, we should not be asking for no kind of health in, the, in our communities because we give enough money and enough incentives to build and do whatever they're going to do for Centera, tax breaks, tax credits, mm -hmm. we do for Centera. So, and that's what I was saying about the food desert. It's like, man, you know, and most, I'm not going to say most, that's a generalization, but a lot of people in the African-American community, they go to food line. That's because it's the cheapest price around if you're dealing with like um, Harris Teeter or Kroger. Mm -hmm. So why not food line say, well, I'm not going to let there be a food desert in this neighborhood. You know, sometimes we have to like demand stuff from these organizations. Uh, and lastly, before I go to my next question, I'll let you respond, is that um, 
when we look at when we look at it from the from the perspective of let's say uh, um, not necessarily asking but demanding, you know, and 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 a lot know how city council works sometimes because I used to write these ordinances when I was in public works. They'll wait for the city council members will wait for the ordinances, look at the ordinances and say, I vote yay or nay on the ordinance. How many times do we get city council members to say, I want to introduce this ordinance? Like just like what you said. Yeah. You know, if you have an idea about how to um, move and, and, and have a community stuff, that mm -hmm. was an excellent idea, introduce it. And we don't get a lot of that um, from our council members to introduce those ordinances. To be voted on, you can't just wait on the ordinances to come from the various departments of the city and say, well, I think that's a good idea. Uh, I'm going to argue against that. And I, I don't know whose voice that is. Don't hold me against it. <laughs> but you, so. Yeah, I'm in agreement. And um, one of the good things is I've actually put that in process. I mean, and into practice. Mm -hmm. This past Tuesday, actually, C-17 was a result of work that I've done. Okay. Once again, Southside. Um, time on council, I actually organized the community tour between um, Berkeley, Campostella, Campostella Heights, Civic League presidents. And I brought transit. I brought um, that whole department and made them go on this bus tour with us and identify every place where there needs to be a stop sign, four-way stop, speed reduction, um, removal of the, for of the um, Ford plant signs. And we did that for an entire day. I met with them. I made them do a, um, not make them. What they did is they then had community meetings with each civic lead to go through the list. And then the next stop was, hey, now it goes to council and we vote on it. Because these are things that can happen. It's kind of been interesting because it almost reminds me of the, I'm, I'm obviously dating myself. People are going to watch this like, really, she's that old. School of Rock. Please. School of Rock, I'm just a bill. <laughs> so it's like, okay, how did it get here? And that's one of the things that, you know, I've learned since I've on council, and I've been able to introduce different things. Mm -hmm. So I think what we do and we have to do as council members, that's a part of your job, is right. understand that, you know, a lot happens, at least for me, I can speak, and I know some council members, a lot happens before Tuesday. But for me, I'm always making sure, hey, if there's something that needs to be done, let's get it in writing, let's get it passed, and let's get it funded more than, you know, that's one of the most important things there. Well, that's, that's one of the things I, I like to be transparent about. I like to see a list. I'm just playing. If my car gets towed, you know I was too uncut. But um, <laughs> if, if I like to see a list of city council members. What have you introduced mm. as far? Because it's, and it's not, and I'm not just beating up on, on the city of Norfolk. It goes on in all these municipalities. It goes on at the state level. I mean, some of the state, you know, if you sign on to a bill, they say, well, I was the one, you know, but I want to see what you have introduced. Anyway, um, um, one of my, like, I mean, I, I, as previously mentioned, I am a union guy. You know, the union gave me my start when I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was, you know, I ain't finished school. I was, you know, in college, but the union gave me a lot of benefits and all those kind of things. And I know that comes from um, being in a uh, place where you have organized labor and benefits. And so my question is, is that I know lately because they reached out to me and I've talked to them. Um, and here's the backstory, though. The backstory is funny. I was, um, we, I think all three of us used to take these trips for the union. We go to like NAACP convention. And we go all around the country to, you know, every kind of state and every kind of uh, union convention. 
And I was, when the first time I went, I was amazed. I was like, well, asking people, well, where do you work at? And they were like, well, I work for um, the uh, Detroit um, uh, state government. And I was like, well, how are you in the union? And they were like, well, I work for the city of uh, Ann Arbor. And, and I was like, what in the world union? Are you? And then I found out that they were a member of AFSCME. Uh-huh. which is the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. And I was like, well, being from Norfolk, I didn't even think that there was a possibility that you could, you know, have rights and, you know, stuff and working with the city. So my question is, is that I've talked to some members of AFSCME. I got a full disclosure. And they're trying to organize our city employees. Uh-huh. Right? And I've talked to some of our city employees, a lot of them. And they're trying to uh, organize with Ask Me. So, um, on, um, on this show, right here on this show, your counterpart, Ward 6, because if you think about it, when I talk about black and white, um, well, Grammy Street is a separating city between the west side and the east side, right? Of this, it is, trust me. I did so, uh, your west side counterpart, Ward 6, which also encompasses to the north, um, again, Ocean View, she said on this show, remember it was breaking news, it was breaking news, um, that she would support uh, organizing or forming a union for the city employees. So, my big question, drum roll. If elected, will you commit to support for a union? Okay. Thank you for the question. Little back history before I give my answer. Okay. I am a union baby. All right. My mom was a part of the IFPTE Local 1 for 30 years. What's that? Um, it's a part. It's they a don't un- know. I know. <laughs> union is with um, Norfolk Naval Shipyard. Okay. She was with the engineers, and um, she had to seek their representation, and they did well by her. And by her, them doing well by her, they did well by me. So I support unions. I'm also the only candidate who's been endorsed by a labor union, the Mid-Atlantic Pipe Trades Association, Local 110. Okay. And a part of the um, conversation I had with them is I told them that i not just willing, but I feel led to advocate for them. I feel led to advocate for unions. Everyone should feel safe in their work environment. Everyone should have competitive pay. Everyone should have an opportunity to negotiate contracts. Everyone should have an opportunity to earn in this city, going Mm -hmm. back to what I've talked about with all the projects coming up and making sure our unions are a part of that conversation. And that also means talking about pay. So I would support that as well. And that's, you know, my background on it, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I think that that's, you know, what we have to do is making sure that when we're having conversation, we're considering those people, and we can't be making decisions without having those persons in the room to have those discussions. Well, um, I mean, you, you, you kind of answered my question. Yes. Yes, is you support for the city employees, because I, I, I was a city employee, and I believe that if there was a union in place, I'd still be a city employee. Mm-hmm. The things that I went through, the things that I endured are, are unspeakable. Mm-hmm. And coming from a place that had a union and, 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 and rights and, you know, um, one of the things that they did, I mean, not, not for me, but just for the whole policy of the union. If you have a grievance and you and you, they had to have a policy, if you have a grievance, the first thing you have to do is take the grievance to your supervisor. Mm-hmm. Suppose your supervisor is the one you got a grievance against, mm. you know? So that's like somebody beating you up and then you got to go... 
report it to the person that beat you up. Mm. So my question is, plain and simple, do you support a union for our city employees? Yes. Okay. I'm done. We out. Breaking news. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing. We're not out. I mean, like you just mentioned, one of the biggest topics, and I mean, we saw it come before us in council, is, you know, people want to know that their voices are heard. Mm -hmm. They want to have an opportunity to just let us have a conversation about work conditions. Let us have a conversation, especially in the midst of this pandemic of compensation let's right. have a conversation about opportunity and it's important that those voices are heard and that they have they have a seat at the table right so right. that's where i stand with it and i've been I, noted I like as it. i mentioned i've been endorsed by this union i was I honest know. with them and i'm always going to be honest with myself but the biggest it. thing that's important is that we have a conversation and negotiation is on the table and i and, and just to um we got it on paper, that's fine. But no, that's fine. No, I wrote it that, on my that, paper. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. But here's the thing that people don't understand about unions, and I think you get being a union uh -huh. baby, is that unions is three things that that that, that unions is, is wages, is benefits, and is working conditions. Uh -huh. You know, if you, I mean, I think the working condition piece is what when you have a voice in the workplace. Right. But. I'm going to take the W and walk away from this one. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a W for me, too. It is. A w, it's a W for everybody. Even, even um, I think, like, sometimes management doesn't realize it. But having a union takes a whole lot of weight off of them because everything is spelled out. It's like, you know all the rules, and you disobey the rules that, that are set forth by organized labor, then that's really on you, and, and it's not even a gray area, so... Well, I think another thing is, you know, studies show when you have a workforce um, that's happy with their employment situation, mm -hmm. exactly. the, mor the morale is up. You know, I'm more inclined to look into a job um, at a certain place if someone's like, man, let me tell you about this. It's a great job. I, right. like, I love working there, blah, 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 blah. Then, uh, well, it's a job. Help right. me pay the bills. Don't sound like I want to go work there. But it even studies show when... Um, Workforce morale is up, productivity is up, everybody wins. There you so go. that's what, you know, that's why having the conversation is important to make sure that everyone's happy. And ultimately, your employees are happy, your business is profitable, the big bosses at the top are happy. All right. So it's trickle down effect. You cannot lose. You cannot lose because if you if you know anything about that is like the highest cost of any organization is human resource hiring. Mm -hmm. And so you have to hire when people get, you know, when they're not happy. Good point. Okay. Uh, I have uh, a question, and this is something that's recently come up. Okay. And, uh, you know, every time I try to get out, they pull me right back in. <laughs> that's my godfather voice. But, but no, uh -huh. seriously, um, the Poplar Hall's um, uh, elementary school redevelopment, and, I, you know, I should go to uh, – not – attend Poplar Halls, but I should go back there to um, visit some people and, you know, look at the administration and staff back in the day, but the redevelopment issue has gained some negative remarks from some of your opponents who say the city is reneging on this promise to the community not to place apartments, but to address the city's recreational needs. Uh, can you tell us where you stand on the issue? Where did you stand on the issue at the time? Because I understand you were there. Where do you stand on the issue today? And where will you stand on the issue if you are elected? Okay. On July 20th, mm -hmm. when it was on the docket for voting, right. I voted against the project. 
I voted against it because I had the opportunity to meet with the Civic League president, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Burrell Corbin, and we had a conversation in Panera, and he listed out why his community didn't want this and why they were upset with what was being proposed. So, as you know, with council, on one vote. So it still passed five to three. And one of the things that I charged the administration with was meeting with the Civic League presidents and the breeding company to have a discussion about this project and what's being proposed. On August 19th, there was a press release, actually. It's available on the um, City of Norfolk Economic Development website. Mm -hmm. And it talked about the conversation and the collaboration that Breeden did with the community as it relates to building on the Poplar Hall School site a community center, which was going to have meeting rooms as well as a full-size pool, Mm -hmm. as well as on that Poplar Poplar Hall school site, single-family homes. Mm -hmm. So not what was being proposed. Right. So... That's something that came about, and that's where I still stand with it, is that we need to continue to have these conversations as this project progresses. And no matter, you know, as how it moves, as my voice was, as you see, independent, I side with the community. But I do believe, our, you know, our developers have a responsibility to have communication with the community as well as trying to collaborate to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community because ultimately, yes, this is going to become a new home for all these other persons, but Poplar Hall's community has been there. And so it's, in, it's also important that when we're having this conversation to talk about what's coming, we also making sure that the infrastructure is going to be there to support. Like traffic is a big concern. A lot of people are worried yes. and concerned. They're like, that. okay, you're going to build this. It's going to be X number, 100 of, you know, single family and... Um, uh, apartments, and then you got military circle, mall development. What's this going to do with the traffic pattern? So also um, tasking the administration for handling that as well. So that's where I stand with that. I stand with the community, just as I stood with the community on July 20th when I voted against it, and just where I stood with the community when I met with the um, Civic League presidents, and just where I stood with them when we met with economic development and said, hey, this is what we want, and Breeding gave it to us. Okay, standing with the community. Hey, we're going to take one last quick break, and we'll be right back with Danica Royster. I look at the issues facing our city through the lens of equity and social justice. Hello, I'm Danica Royster, Norfolk City Councilwoman, Super Ward 7. I represent a new generation of leadership of Norfolk, a new voice, a new energy to tackle the tough issues we're facing, like gun violence, affordable housing, job creation, and helping our youth become productive citizens. Committed, compassionate, service that is accountable, prudent, and transparent. Vote on November 2nd, Danica Royster for Norfolk City Council, Super Ward 7. Welcome to Comedic Services, LLC. We provide supportive in-home and residential group home services in the Hampton Roads area, including Williamsburg, Franklin, Zunai, Tuano, and Southampton County. Our offices are located at 2428 Almeda Avenue, Suite 170 in Norfolk, Virginia, and at 601 North Mechanic Street in Franklin, Virginia. Comedic Services, LLC is a commission on accreditation of rehabilitation facilities, CARF, accredited service. Our motto is fostering a culture of service and advocacy for humanity. Our job is to keep Virginia safe. And we know the truth about Terry McAuliffe's record. When Terry McAuliffe was governor, Virginia was the fourth safest state in America. That's right, the fourth safest. And Terry increased funding and training for police. It's Glenn Youngkin who worries us. Glenn Youngkin wants to roll back gun safety laws, including background checks. Letting violent criminals have more access to guns. 
putting our lives at risk. It's Glenn Youngkin who's a real threat to our safety. I'm Terry McAuliffe, candidate for governor, and I sponsored this ad. And welcome back. We've been having a very interesting conversation with Danica Royster. She is actually the serving city council um, woman for Super Ward 7, and she's also up for election for Super Ward 7. Uh, we have just a couple more questions, but the first question, and I would be remiss if I didn't touch on this subject, is that we have, um, right now, I, I hate watching the news, man. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, like, dread. If I miss it at night, I like, do I? I get up pretty early, so I say, do I cut on the news and see who's been shot, see who's been killed? I mean, that's like the lead every day in, like, every city. And it just seems that they're getting younger and younger and more reckless and more reckless. And the violence that has been plaguing our city seems to be on the upswing, and, and I know it is. And, and Ward 7, as usual, and I always say Ward 7 because I say, that's the city, that's the part of the city with, what's going on? That's the part of the city with um, the black communities, right? And it's like, you know, whenever it's something bad, it's like, it's more drugs, black community. It's more crime, black community. It's more murder, black community. Mm-hmm. But you never say, well, you know what? It's more people are getting so much money becoming black millionaires. You'll never, you never hear about that in the uh, black community, you know. So everything that seems to be bad is always rising in our communities, and so that mm-hmm. that concerns me. But my question to you is, um, the tragedy of gun violence as it relates to the city of Norfolk. Um, you know, what can we do? And do do you have any ideas about how to conter- cur- curtail, excuse me, that violent crime? Yeah. Well, what you said is actually, you know, factual, obviously. Gun violence has been on the rise, not just here in Norfolk or Commonwealth. It's been nationwide. Right. Um, a lot of the things I tell people, gun violence is a symptom of the disease. The disease is a lack of affordable housing, access to food, access to opportunity, um, jobs that pay, as well as, you know, a city investment in infrastructure and individuals. So what we have to do at a root is attack each one of those things first. Mm -hmm. And that means, you know, when we're looking at housing and development, is it inclusive? Is it affordable for all so that people can, what's it, what do they say? Live, work, and play in Norfolk. That's a whole nother show. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what you have to do. The same thing with education opportunity. You just talked about, you know, how you had this great experience being in the union, working at the Ford plant. What are we doing to make sure our young people have these same opportunities? Where if I choose, I don't want to go to college, which not everyone is going. Right. There's still opportunity for you to be successful, whether it's in trade or entrepreneurship, and making sure that there's money set up to actually invest in people and support them. So instead of like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm a startup. No, how do we scale up your business? So now that you're the one... Um, knowing how to put in an actual bid for a contract that's coming up. Um, another thing is, like you said, we just talked about the, you said pharmaceutical desert. That's your word. That's my, that's <laughs> my phrase. Your phrase, pharmaceutical, yeah. <laughs> healthcare uh, desert, and food desert. If people feel like I live in a community where you don't even feel like I deserve to eat, mm. I'm going to repeat that. If I live in a community where you feel like I don't have, I don't deserve to eat or have access to food, how do you hope to inspire the youth? Right. So those are things that we have to do now. Another thing is like what I mentioned before, bringing new ideas. 
The people closest to the communities are often the ones who should have a voice as it relates to what's happening. And one of the things, and that's why it's important to me when we look at our boards and commissions, there needs to be diversity. There doesn't need to be, oh, well, I recognize this name and I know this person, so I'm going to push, put them up there. Right. It needs to be, um, what are they doing, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Making sure that people are actually reading these resumes, promoting people to, like, go apply for this. You're passionate. Find your lane. As well as, I think it would be important to look into an interview process for these boards and commissions. Right. Right. So that way it's not, you know, just being sanctioned off as, oh, I knew this person, so that's why they should go up there. It's like, no, we need new energy, new leadership, not just in our government, but also on these boards and commissions because that's where the real impact can be made and that's where the rubber meets the road, where you have people who are sitting on all these different things, putting their lived experience on the paper. I had the opportunity for a woman who I met and we worked together on another project who lives in Coleman Place. She applied for something because she was like, I'm passionate about this. I do this. And also she had the resume and she really does the work. And they were like, okay, well, who can vouch for her? And it shouldn't just be a right, vouch. It right, should be right, right. also, no, this person is capable of doing this job because I've seen it demonstrated here. And I want you to see what I see. I want you to hear what I hear because it's important that our voices are heard because our voices matter and our voices are going to make a difference in this community. But we have to be present. We have to participate in the process. Well, how do we make that happen? Because is it, does, it, does it require, I mean, I know for some things it requires a change in the city charter. I mean, so how do we just say, okay, we're going to open up. I mean, and I noticed that like in one of your, um, and I read everybody's literature that one of your recurring themes is transparency. Mm -hmm. So how do we make that part? Because everybody doesn't want to run for office, but people are ca capable and they want to serve. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like um, the good old boy system is a blockade to you serving. So how do we change that? What is the, what is the process to, let's say, okay, is that require ordinance or that requires a vote from, what is the process? The process for getting on a border commission is go on and apply. Oh, no, no, I mean, but, what, is, what is the process to change the process? I mean, okay, so let's say right now it says apply. I've applied 12 times. Um, I got a, a, a really nice resume, but I'm, I'm kind of outspoken. <laughs> but for other people, if you, you going and applying is not working because, like you said, they're going to ask, and I was told, I'm not caught, but I was told that you have to have once you apply, you have to get rubber stamped by or, or vouched for mm -hmm. by city council members. And so what exactly, I mean, when I talk about transparency, if I want to go on the website and say what exactly is step one, I apply. Step two is reviewed by A, B, and C. Step three, I'm selected for interview. Step four, I'm notified if I'm not selected. What no one knows, and I've asked. Well, I think that's a good start. I mean, the way you just ran through that, I feel like that's something that should be. But I, once again, I, like I said, adding in, I think it would be good to have an interview process. But, but who? And I think one of the things that we have to do is have that conversation. Now, one thing I know, because um, I had the privilege of, of having this conversation with a young woman um, who wanted to get on a board, mm -hmm. and she, she emailed me, and she said, hey, Councilwoman Royster, um, I'm interested in this board. I'd like to sit down and have a conversation with you on what is going to be required of me. But also I want you to get to know me as a person so you can know who I am and why I'm applying. And I think another thing me and her also discussed is the process in getting there. A right. lot of times 
we confuse availability with accessibility. Once I get on the website, which is not the easiest website to navigate. It's horrible. <laughs> Your words. No. It's, it's hard. So how do we make it more streamlined so that it's an opportunity once again for all? Another thing I would also say, our website, making sure that it's bilingual for other persons who are not English exactly. first speaking to make sure, hey, if we're going to be diverse, do we make sure that this is something that's comp- like um, comprehensive? to everyone who might speak a different language. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think the first step is like the conversation me and you are having right now. Because right. I always tell people, I have ideas, mm-hmm. but it's always important for me to get feedback from my community to make sure that they're in line with what they expect of me. So having a conversation and then setting it up and saying, hey, this is something that we need to do to pivot this process if we really have the achievable goal of being a diverse, inclusive, and equitable city. And it needs to not be just reflected in our city council, but it needs to be reflective in our commissions and our boards. So that way we're having a um, holistic but also diverse voice when it comes to decision-making that's happening in this city. And, and I'll say this, and, and, and then I'll ask you your final question. And I agree, but I always say that some people have the will mm-hmm. and some people have the power, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like me, I had the will. I don't have much power, you know. But you know, someone like you, yeah, you got power, you know. So I mean, so I mean, I, and I'm, I'm thinking rationally. How difficult can it be for that to be on a line item agenda in the city council meeting? Say we need to reform our boards and commission. And I mean, and they, and they know it's not a new concept just because you're new on, on you know. Mm-hmm. They know they need to reform it. So how difficult? of a process is that. And you don't have to answer that right now. You can think on it, and, and uh, if you want to address it, I mean, you can, but I'm just saying it can't be that difficult. Let's say if um, not even you, a, a, a city council person say, hey, we need, to, uh, we need to reform our boards and commission process. It, it's terrible. Let's write it out. Or, I mean, what do they got? They got lawyers and city clerks and everybody, you know, who, who can do that. Mm-hmm. If, 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 you know, that, that will assist with the um, verbiage and stuff. How difficult can that be of a um, choice to make to say we're going to open it up instead of like saying I want to hold on to this power because I want to hold it over people's head. Not saying you, but. You saw I was looking at you like, huh? No, I'm not saying (laughs) you, but I mean, the process has been like that. It's fixed and everybody knows it. It's like it's fixed to where, you know, unless you know somebody, you can't get on the board and the commission and it shouldn't be that way. To to change it, it shouldn't be a, um, a major you know, and I ask this all the time of, of, of my city. I love my city. Everybody knows that. You don't know Bob Z. Love, Norfolk. I mean, you, 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 you haven't been around. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to do the right thing? Mm. It can't be that difficult. But look, that's, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Say it right there. I uh, think we've had like four or five different subjects for the next podcast. For the next podcast. We do. <laughs> we do. But look, um, so uh, for our final question, this is your part of the show. We are wrapping up. Yeah, she's ready to go. It's like we had her on an uh, uncut hot seat for a minute. She, <laughs> she's answered our questions. But, okay, so um, we have an election coming up, November the 2nd. So this is your part of the show. Remind our viewers and listeners, because we have viewers and listeners, we're on all the platforms, Apple Music, everything, mm-hmm. uh, why they should vote for you, and you can uh, throw in your website and all that stuff. All right, thank you. Well, I want to first thank you for this 
platform let me be up here today Indeed. and getting a chance to um, express my views and share my personality so people can look, know a little bit more about Danica Royster. And um, the reason why I want to earn your vote, and I'm talking to the citizens, mm -hmm. is because I believe the residents of Super Ward 7 deserve leadership that's committed, compassionate, and proven to lead them. And, you know, just to be uncut and honest about it, we need to have somebody at the table who's a lion, but also someone at the table who understands the concerns of the community and wants to have a plan. Mm -hmm. we can, it's always very easy to highlight what's wrong, but how many people are going to be solution-based about it? Right. How many people are going to be looking at how do we plan this out? How many people are going to be willing to sit down with those who are being impacted to come up with a solution? And that's what I've been about since day one. You know, my background in business is financial services, hence the word service. I've been in service for years through my business. Right. And what I do is I impact people's lives financially. You know, so I want to continue to be of service to the citizens of Super Ward 7. I want to be a vessel for your voice. I think it's important for me to collaborate the, with the citizens of Super Ward 7. And I think it's high time we have new energy and new leadership. Okay. We're tired of having people who just have rhetoric. They use big words. They have a lot to say. But where is your plan? It's time for something new. And we all know the definition of someone coming in and doing the same thing over and over again. Number one, where has that gotten us this far now? And if we want to progress as this city is growing, we need someone who's going to grow with it and grow our community with it as well. Someone focused on equity, accessibility, and opportunity. And that's not just who I am as a candidate, but that's just who I am as a person. I think it's important to care about people. I think it's important to have someone in leadership who is grounded in service and integrity. I think it's important to have someone in leadership who is going to speak truth to power, but also have a plan to see that truth through. Because that's where we're going. As I mentioned before, it's not just about education. It's about economics, too. Regardless of what we want to talk about, we live in a capitalist society. And at the end of the day, one of the things that I want for my residents is no more crumbs or hand-me-outs. We want ownership. We want slices of pie, not just for our generation, but for future generations to continue to eat off of. So I want to continue to focus on public safety, community engagement, community improvements, economic development, and public health. And the only way I can do that is if you elect me on November 2nd. Because I tell people the only way we move forward is together. And the only promise that I'm going to make is that I'm going to do my best. But my best is contingent on what I'm hearing from the people who I've been selected, elected, appointed to represent. So let me get to work and watch me work on November 2nd. All but right. Let me play my website. <laughs> well, I was just about to ask you, what's your website and how do we how do we reach out to you? So my website is www.danikafornorfolk.com. I'm also on Instagram at, um, at Danica underscore Royster, and I'm also on Facebook at Danica for Norfolk. So um, thank you once again, the Mr. Bob Z. <laughs> If you haven't been here, you ain't been nowhere. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, well, hey. Uh, you're not running if you're not on Bob Z's show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we do our best. Uh -huh. but, uh, so uh, we have been listening to and watching Danica Royster, candidate and current uh, city councilwoman for city of Norfolk's Ward 7, Super Ward 7. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in. And don't forget, if you haven't voted already, vote November 2nd. 
We'll see you on the other side. Peace. Peace. Here.